Amen. Praise the Lord. It's a good, great joy to be here once again. It seems uh, almost a lifetime, seems ages to us, the whole month. But it's great to be here. If you have a Bible this morning, turn to the book of Ruth. Describes the jewel of the Old Testament, the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter 1. Verse 14. Then they lifted up, Ruth chapter 1, verse 14. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Naomi said, Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. (coughs) Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. It happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? Well, today I want to begin a three-part series on this book of Ruth. I don't know if you thought too much about the book of Ruth. But in many ways, it's a surprise, you could say, it's actually in the Bible. Because Ruth is a mobitess. Ruth is an outsider, a non-Jew. And yet there's a whole book called by her name finds itself here in the Old Testament. Ruth also finds herself, if you read Matthew chapter 1, in the lineage of our Lord Jesus Christ, along with five other women, namely Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, Mary. So this outsider, this non-Jew, Not only has a book written by her name, but she finds herself in the lineage of our Lord Jesus Christ. And before we even begin to look at this book, even those thoughts begin to tell us God is a God of grace who extends His love to those who are outside and brings them in right in the center of His will and His purposes. I say, praise you, Jesus. In fact, particularly the thinking of those five women that are mentioned in Matthew 1 in the lineage of our Lord Jesus, you know, three of the women have quite a colorful history, you might say. Their morality hadn't always been very good, namely Tamar and, and Rahab and, and Bathsheba, but they're included. They're included. And, and so I begin to see that this, this book of Ruth 
It's going to unfold to us as we begin to look at it and study it. It's going to help us better understand something of the grace of God. Something of God's love and kindness and mercy that reaches out to every man and every woman, wherever you've come from, however far you've fallen, the grace of God, the love of God reaches out. And that's the message of the book of Ruth. So I don't know about you, it's quite exciting to begin to look at this book. And we're going to look at it in, in three messages, and because it divides, as I've looked at it, into three parts. The first one is about loyalty. The second one is about providence. And when I started to study providence, I don't have to go into it now, but God began to really speak to me. And so I was really blessed. If nobody else would get blessed when I get to that message. And then the third message is redemption. The kinsman redeemer. So three beautiful parts to this book of Ruth that we can just study under. So today, our subject today as we look at the book of Ruth as we get into chapter 1 is loyalty. Is loyalty. And... Uh, Someone has uh, said this, that loyalty is only proven when you have the opportunity to be disloyal. Anyone can say, oh, I'm going to be loyal to you. Yep, I'm loyal. But loyalty means nothing until you are challenged to be disloyal. Until you're tempted to be disloyal and you say, no, I will not be disloyal. That is the proof of loyalty. That's the proof of loyalty. You know, loyalty, people say, oh yeah, to the boss, I'll be loyal. And then a better job, better opportunity, they're gone. This is the way of the world. You know, people with relationships, they see someone better, oh, they pledge loyalty, but no, no. And they're off at another fair, they're off with someone else. And so it goes on and on. We see it again and again. It's the way of the world. And sadly, sometimes it's the way of the church. People say, oh, I've seen a better church. I'm on loyalty. Loyalty or disloyalty is a terrible thing. And we see too much of it. And it's with disloyalty I mention that because that's how, although I'm speaking on loyalty, it's actually disloyalty that begins the, the book of Ruth. There's a man, there's a family, and the, the husband's name, the father's name is Elimelech. Now here's a good name. Elimelech means my God is king. That sounds a pretty good name. He's got a wife. His wife's name is Naomi, which means pleasant, which means delightful. And then they've got two sons. Now, I don't recommend these names. The first son's name is Malion. Malion means weak and sickly. Can you imagine calling your baby that? What's his name? Oh, it's Malion. Weak, sickly. And then the other one is called Kilion which means 
failing, opining. You think, great, how what two little kids you got? Yeah, Malian and Kilian, sickly and failing. You know, there's a message here, isn't there, already? Be careful what you speak of your children. Be careful what you call your children or your grandchildren, if you're into grandchildren category. <laughs> Be careful what you call them. You know, we need to speak over our children, over our grandchildren. We need to speak words of encouragement, words of faith, words of love, words that build them up, that edify them. As Ephesians 6 says, bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Or as the psalmist says, they're like olive plants around the table. You know, care for them and look after them and water them and look after them, feed them and, you know, all the nice things. So they're really encouraged in the things of God. Well, Malian and Killian, they weren't encouraged. They were just weak and sickly and failing and pining. And this family, as we enter into Ruth chapter 1, this family lived at a time and We've just come to the end of the book of Judges. It's a time when, when Israel was going through his repeated cycles. They would do things. They would do what was right in their own eyes. And they'd do what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord would have to send some judgment to bring them back. Because whom the Lord loves, he rebukes and chastens. He sends some judgment to bring them back. And, but they'd come back and God would send a deliverer and they'd go all right for a while and they'd do what's right in their own eyes, what's evil in the eyes of the Lord. And then go, round and round goes the cycle. And as we come to chapter 1 of the book of Ruth, we're in a cycle where, where there's a drought in Bethlehem. A drought. There's no water. The, the, the harvest is failing. And Elimelech, whose name means my God is king, he says, ah, oh, it's drought. But Moab has got harvest. Hey, let's go to Moab. Now, there's a big problem here because Moab, God had warned his people. You read, we haven't time to study, but John, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1 to 3. God had said to his children of Israel, you know, the Moab, but they didn't look after you. They didn't look out for you. They caused you to fall and to sin when you were coming out of the wilderness. So, hey, Moab, until the second, third generation, a band, you know, it's a band nation. Keep away from Moab. But Elimelech, the one whose name is supposed to mean my God is king, because it comes a problem, because of a drought, he says, hey, I'm off, I'm going to Moab. And he takes his family to Moab. Disloyalty. Disloyalty. You know, my God is king. He should have been saying, God, we've been through these cycles a few times, and, and God, I'm going to trust you and believe. It might be drought for a season now. It might be a difficult season now. But I'm going to believe you. I'm going to prove you. My God is king. I'm going to see this through. Because if we get on in the book of Ruth, we will discover that, yes, harvest does come again. Blessing does come again. It's a dry season. It's a drought season. But, and he should have been saying that, but he doesn't. The first sign of problems, he's off. And he's not just off, he's into the 
bad place isn't a Moab where he shouldn't go. Disloyalty. As I said a moment ago, we, we see disloyalty in the world, but sometimes we see it in the church. More so than perhaps in previous generations, people were quick to move. Church hop, whatever you want to call it. Oh, there's nothing happening here. It's dry here. Oh, I can't be bothered to pray this one through. I'm off. They're having blessings somewhere else. Wow, they're swinging from the chandeliers somewhere else. It's really happening somewhere else. I'm going there. Temptation is there, and that's the way of the world. We live in a consumer-driven um, age, and, and you know, let's, we want it now. We want blessing now, and if the pastor can't deliver tough, I'm off. That's the attitude so often. God is calling us to loyalty. God is calling us to loyalty. He's calling us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things should be added to us. God is calling us to, to press through. We do go through dry seasons. We do go through winter seasons. I've been in ministry long enough, in over 40 years of ministry, to know you do go through seasons. But surely as autumn follows summer and winter follows autumn, spring is coming. When you're in God, you, you go through a season, but you go through that season and, and you prove God and you cry upon God and you, and, and you find that, wow, yeah, it's a bit cold, it's a bit wintry, but hey, you come through and then soon there's the first signs of life and wow, before you know it, you're in spring, blessing again. As you prove God through the difficult times and through the hard times and through the dry season and, and so on, God comes through. And I've said that in the context of church, but of course it's even more so true in the context of our own lives. In our own lives, spiritually, we can hit a season. It's easy in that season to think, oh, I won't bother to go to church at all, maybe. Or I'll do this, or something else looks more attractive. But hey, we have to prove God in a dry season, because soon the blessing comes. The message of the book of Ruth says, harvest is coming again. The blessing is coming again. Don't give up in a time of drought. Seek the face of God. Wow. Maybe that's a word. I don't know what. I said a month seems like a lifetime we've been away. I don't know what you're going through. You've had a flood. You've had this and that. But <laughs> I don't know what's going on or what you're going through. But I just encourage you. Remain faithful. Remain loyal to God and to the house of God. I mean, sometimes Christians... You know, it might be their work and they, they're struggling with their work. And you know, the Bible says we should serve as we're serving Jesus, but sometimes people lose sight of that and they think, oh, maybe a new job. And without thought, without prayer, they jump into a new job. But that job is a Moab in disguise. Because suddenly they find they haven't got the time to get to the house of God. They have to work in the evenings, they have to work on Sundays, they have to do this. And suddenly things have changed and they lose out. It looked better. But the message is we must seek first the kingdom of God. 
over every one of us is written the name Elimelech. My God is king. We have to practice that. It's not good just saying it. We have to practice it and prove it and put God first in all our decision making. Remain loyal. Remain loyal. Well, the dis disloyalty of Elimelech, he goes to Moab with his family. And maybe when they arrived there, wow, yeah, there was grain, there was harvest. They sold up everything from Bethlehem and they had money. And hey, maybe this is it. Wasn't such a bad decision. Always looks good at first. The grass looks greener at first. But it's not long before you realize it's still got to be mowed. Um, and so Elimelech might have felt like that. But then Elimelech dies. The two sons marry. Malian and Kilian, they marry. They manage to find somebody to marry. And they marry two Mobites girls, Opa and Ruth. I think, okay, maybe things are beginning to look a bit better now. But then Malian sickly. Kilian, his name means failing. They die. And now it's a complete disaster. Naomi has lost everything. They sold up, spent out, thought there's a new life, set up new families, boys get married, hey, it's going to look good. Bang! It's a disaster. Sometimes when we're tempted to go places, do things. Think, oh, it looks better there. The grass is green. It can be disaster. It can be disaster. It was, and so Naomi's left with two Mobites daughter-in-laws. And so she starts, as you read chapter one, she starts talking to them and says, look, I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. She'd heard there was blessing in Bethlehem. You see, the blessing comes, the harvest comes again. And she'd heard that, but she'd lost everything now. And she said, but I need to go back. Well, that was a good decision. You know, when we do make a mistake, and to some degree we all make those mistakes of being tempted to do this, that, or the other, one big lesson that comes from Naomi here is when you realize you've messed up, go back to that place. Sometimes it may not be possible, but as far as possible, go back to that place where you knew blessing, where you knew God's presence, where you knew you were in the center of God's will. Get back to that place. Return. Return. Like the prodigal, come back to Father's house. And so Naomi wants to go back, but she says to her daughter-in-laws, look, if you come back with me, I can't promise you anything. I've got nothing. I've lost everything. There's no certain future. If I was to find a husband and we would have children, would you wait for them? You'd be quite old by the time. If we had boys, they grew up to become your husbands again. So it looks just, it looks a mess. So I encourage you, stay back. You know, go back to your own mothers and find a husband here in Moab and and get remarried and so on and you know find security that way and so she tries to persuade them and so the one uh, daughter-in-law Arpa says okay 
She didn't want to, but she said, I'll go back. She saw the wisdom and sense of what Naomi was trying to say. But then Ruth. Ruth. Let's read it again, these beautiful words. Ruth chapter 1 verse 16. Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also. If anything but death parts you and me. Wow. Those are almost like marriage vows, aren't they? Have a read of them. They almost read like marriage vows. In fact, in, in Jewish weddings, this is often sang. In fact, I remember at one of my nephew's weddings, my wife's brother-in-law, Carl Giddings, sang this. It's, it's such a, a very powerful the, the commitment to loyalty that we see from Ruth in these beautiful words. Think of it. Uncertain future. Uncertain provision. They'd lost everything. They're just paupers. Likely rejection. She's a Moabites. She's not a Jew. Jewess. There's this big ethnic divide between the two countries because of what was written in the law of God, as I've said in Deuteronomy. And it's likely loneliness. I don't know what language she would have spoken, all that kind of thing. There's all these barriers. And yes, she says, I'm going to be loyal. Wow. What a statement of faith. Don't you think from Ruth? That she's prepared to submit and, and trust the God of Israel? She's prepared to, to go with Naomi? I think, wow, what an amazing woman. She's prepared to do that. I find someone else similar to that too that we've mentioned already this morning. That's Rahab who was in Jericho when it was under siege and she put her trust in the God of Israel and was prepared to hide the spies even though she was going against her own citizens and, and, and so on. But she put her trust in the God of Israel, took great risks. Well, Ruth is the same here. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. It's a great example of faith we see here with Ruth. And a great example of loyalty. Loyalty. Loyalty has three foundations. We see it with Ruth. Three foundations. The three foundations of loyalty are trust, faithfulness, and love. Trust, faithfulness, and love. Trust. When you pledge loyalty to someone, you say, I am going to be true to you. I'm not going to go behind your back. I'm going to keep confidences. You can trust me. If you share something with me, I'm loyal. I'm trustworthy. I will keep that confidence. If you send me on a, to, I will be a reliable messenger. You send me with a message on your behalf. I will not put a spin on it. I will not put my own interpretation on it. I will be faithful 
in the declaration of that message. Trust. Trust. It's a foundation of loyalty. Another foundation of loyalty is faithfulness. Is faithfulness. I'll be faithful. I'll be available. You see it in these words. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. It's, it's faithful. I'll be with you. If you're in need and give me a call, I'll be there. It's loyalty. I look out for you. I'll be steadfast. Trust, faithfulness. And the third foundation of loyalty is love. Is love. In 1 Corinthians 13, we often refer to that great passage on love. And in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 7, it says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. does not seek its own. is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. We could put the word loyalty in there. And it works because that's what loyalty does. Loyalty suffers long and is kind. Loyalty does not envy. Loyalty does not pray itself. It's not puffed up. Loyalty doesn't behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks of evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in the truth bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, loyalty never fails. Wow, we could put that there. These are the great foundations of loyalty, trust, faithfulness, and love. If we had time this morning, we could look at other scripture examples. We see it here with Ruth to Naomi, and Naomi to Ruth. We could look at Moses and Joshua. We could look at Elijah and Elisha. And you'll find that the same kind of trust and faithfulness and love manifest. But perhaps the one that stands out where you see it, as we've looked at two women in, in, um, in Ruth and Naomi, is David and Jonathan. David and Jonathan. Two young-ish men and because David has defeated Goliath and Jonathan is the son of the then king, King Saul and, and they become great friends and they pledge loyalty to one another you read about in 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 3 then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul and Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. This is a special covenant. When, when you made a covenant with someone in those days, there was various things you would do. One of the things was exchange clothes, which was a sign, a symbol that, hey, I will fight for you. I will defend you. I'll even die for you. If you need provision, I'll provide for you. Let nothing come between us. We've made a covenant. 
We've made a covenant. The word covenant, as in the word covey, it has the, the cutting, and sometimes even people actually cut wrists and bind their wrists together. That's, we perhaps don't do it so much in a Pentecostal wedding, but in an Anglican wedding, if you've got an Anglican church, I don't know about Catholics, but Anglicans, you know, when they get that part, so the priest then gets his you know, big thing wrong in his neck and he ties the wrists of the couple together for a moment. It's a sign of covenant. They don't actually cut the wrists, but, but that's what it's all about. It's a covenant. It's a binding thing. A binding thing. And David did that with, with Jonathan. And, and we see that when, when Saul, that's Jonathan's father, he, he was gripped by an evil spirit. And he was out to get David. He was jealous of David. He's out to get David. And, and you know, you know somebody wants to get you when they start throwing spears at you and pinning you to the wall. That's a good sign that they don't like you. And, and it was getting worse and worse. And, 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 and David was supposed to go to a certain feast at Saul's house. And he was unsure. And Jonathan had great risks to himself comes and warns David and he keeps warning him and warning him because of a covenant and when of course Saul and Jonathan and, are killed in battle and or Saul takes his own life but in 2 Samuel chapter 9 verse 13 we see the strength of loyalty, the strength of covenant in 2 Samuel 9 and, and verse one. And David said, It is to anyone who is left of the house of Saul, and here it is, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. David thinks, I made a covenant. I've pledged loyalty. And even though I've become king now, I, I, I want to just do something. Even though Jonathan's died, I, I want to bless his family. Because I made a pledge to loyalty. A covenant. And then verse 3, then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba, that was um, Saul's servant, said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet, Mephibosheth. And so David has Mephibosheth brought and he comes and sits at the king's table and as, a, as a prince and so on. It's a beautiful story. But the point is, it's loyalty. Wow. God honors loyalty. God is looking for loyalty. Loyalty in us to him, in us to his house, in us to one another. God honors and blesses loyalty. In 1 Samuel and 26 and verse 23, the beginning of the verse, it says this, May the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. The Lord repays for loyalty. In Psalm 92 verse 13, it says, Blessed are those who are planted in the house of the Lord. So this is where we are. This is where we are. We're loyal. We're faithful. We stay planted. Planted. Loyalty. Loyalty. It's a powerful, powerful thing. And God honors it and God blesses it. It's what God looks for in people. Are we loyal?
So as I close, I encourage each one of us to be loyal. First of all, loyal to God and to the house of God. When there's a dry season, we say we've got to remain faithful and loyal, trusting and praying and believing together for the harvest to come. For the blessing to come, and it will come. The message of the book of Ruth says, the dry season is only for what it is, a season. The blessing will come, and the harvest will come. Praise the Lord. Two, be loyal in marriage. Make the words of Ruth, in Ruth chapter 1, make them... Our vows. You know, I don't know if we all remember our marriage vows, what words we actually said. When I'm conducting a wedding service, I encourage people when we come to vows, but to actually marry people in the service, to actually hold right hands and remake their vows. Because we're all guilty of failing. But if you can't remember what they exactly were, you won't go far wrong in applying Ruth chapter 1, verse 16, 17. Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people should be my people. You know, your family should be my family. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also. If anything but death departs you and me. Praise the Lord. What great words to speak to one another. And thirdly and finally, loyalty in friendships. Loyalty in friendships. You know, when we commit ourselves in friendships to people, whether it's in church or wherever, but oh, we might be loyal. We might be trustworthy, faithful, and loving. There's nothing worse than when people claim friendship and claim loyalty at the first opportunity they're gossiping something they've been told. Something was shared with them in confidence. Something, oh, will you pray for me? I've got this need. I'm just sharing it with you. And then they sort of, hey, someone's got this need. Used to, one of the things in Bristol, I had to stop house groups in Bristol because of gossip. It's horrible. You know, people would do this kind of thing. They'd say, oh, we're going to pray for so-and-so. And they say, oh, would you pray for, their hu- pray for them they're sick? And then people say, oh, oh, their husband. Oh, yeah, he's a bad guy. He's this, that, and the other. And da-da-da-da-da. And oh, yeah, why are they sick? Oh, and they go in and analyze the sickness, analyze the husband. You know, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, and eventually they say, oh, better pray for them. I heard that kind of thing was going on. I said, that's it. Sorry. We're not having that. We're not having it for the person's sake or the husband's sake. And this particular one story I'm thinking of because it, he needs to get saved. We need to come before God and plead for him. He doesn't need to know that those people gossiping and talking about him, maligning him, saying bad about him. We need to pray. You know, we have to be loyal. Loyalty means sometimes you have to say, no, I will not share that. 
or what we share, we share to in a way that lifts people up, not pulls them down. It's all part of loyalty. And as we look at the book of Ruth, we see that Ruth was loyal. It cost her uncertain future. Uncertain wealth. Uncertain so much. Possible rejection. But she's loyal. She's loyal. So the first message is loyalty. Next time, when I come in another month's time, unless the Lord says something different to me, it's going to be providence. I encourage you to read Ruth chapter 2. Because providence is really exciting message. Well, I say that because it spoke to me. I found God was on my case. And I thought, wow, providence. Providence is a beautiful thing. So I'm not going to say, wow, I'll be tempted to start talking about it already. We won't do that. Let's just pray together.